You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome in to a Tuesday edition of Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can check us out on our simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. We've got a lot to get to today. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns marching their way into the NCAA tournament. McNeese still alive in the semifinals. And Derek Carr is the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. We'll dive deeper into that and Daniel Jones' new contract. But before we get to sports... There's a great event happening tomorrow night at Michael's Men's Club in Broussard. It is the Aerial Angels event. And joining us to discuss the event is Rachel Revolver, one of the participants in the event. Rachel, thanks for taking the time. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm doing well. So for for our listeners, just kind of explain, you know, what the event is, what they can expect if they're if they're attending. So it is a bunch of performers from all over the country. We're all here to compete for $5,000. We all use aerial apparatuses of all different sorts. So anything that attaches to a ceiling, um, it's craziness. (laughs) Lots of fun. Um, A lot of these girls have been training hard. There's 13 of us, and we're pretty much going to give it like our all and see who wins. So the the $5,000 cash prize, is it just like one grand prize or are y'all splitting it up between different categories like how how's that working there's three different places um and then i'll be broke up into different categories um so yeah that's the total cost so the door three so the door opens at five show starts at seven there is a twenty dollar cover to get into the event now from your perspective obviously you know using aerial apparatuses takes a lot of upper body strength what, what type of preparation kind of goes into that for you guys? It does. So I do have a little bit of a background. I'm a former cheerleading coach, so I have a little bit of a, a go-ahead right. on this. Um, but it takes a lot of training. I spend a lot of time in a pole studio, probably about five or six days a week, I would say, for one to two hours. And it's a lot of upper body just pulling yourself up and just not looking down at the ground, I guess, to be honest. <laughs> So when, when preparing for, for events like this, obviously, you know, we, we talked about the upper body strength and, and you look at the $5,000 among 13 performers. Now, it's obviously friendly competition because it you, you all, you know, do the same thing and you all work together and blah, blah, blah. But is there a little bit of I'm going to do whatever it takes to beat you like how competitive does it get between you guys it does not get it doesn't get like that it really doesn't everybody's really supportive believe it or not like you can reach out to anyone in the industry i'm a little bit newer i've been featuring for a little bit over a year uh and traveling but a lot of the girls that have been doing this for a long time are really supportive and will help out so uh, we don't have like that cattiness of having to worry about any of the, you know, maybe losing a kneecap or anything. <laughs> so, 
Aerial Angels happening tomorrow night at Michael's Men's Club. Once again, doors open at 5, show starts at 7. You know, is there any other information that, that you guys would like to share, you know, with our audience? I mean, this is definitely something that if you're in the area, you need to be there. Some of these performers are people that I look up to in the industry. Uh, like Autumn Knights is our current um, Aerial Angels champion from last year. If you have not seen her, she's absolutely amazing. And there's other girls coming into you that this is what they do full time. Um, so it's like Cirque du Soleil style show. So it's something that you're not going to see around here unless you're at Michael's. And then you, t you talked about the 13 performers coming from all over the country, like all four corn, how far are people coming in order to be here? So I came in from North Carolina, but I'm originally from New Hampshire. Okay. Um, and we have girls coming in from Dallas, Vegas, all, just all over the place. I believe like Florida, is there someone coming in from Florida? I don't know. Everybody lives all over. I know one of the girls is from Connecticut. Like, so just all walks of life, which is really interesting. Some of us have southern accents, northern accents. It's fun to hang out, <laughs> make Aer fun of each other. Aerial Angels at Michael's Men's Club tomorrow night. Once again, doors open at 5. Show starts at 7. It's a $20 cover, and $5,000 is up for grabs. Rachel, really appreciate you guys taking the time, and good luck tomorrow night. For sure. Thanks. And we'll take a timeout right here on Crunch Time. And when we return, we'll dive into the headlines of the day, including the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns heading to the NCAA tournament right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's Crawfish Time and The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil. It's The Game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers, chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we are throwing in a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for the ultimate crawfish boil cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 412 here on your Tuesday. And we are... Dancing on this Tuesday. You get it? You get it? James Mesh. Hello, sir. Do you get it? Yes, I do get it, Matt. Because the Cajuns are going to the NCAA tournament. This guy is excited. You're unbearable. I, I, I told you. I warned you. I told you that I would be. I've only seen this happen twice. Because I wasn't, I was in the know with Cajun sports mm -hmm. in 2004. But you didn't really get to witness it. Right. Like, I was seven years old. I didn't care enough to sit down and watch a full college basketball game. Like, no. This is way too long. I want to go put my action figures. So, I saw it in 2014. Mm -hmm. And then last night. 
I remember that run in 2014. Oh man, that team. I was. So I was. I was at the conference championship game. Oh, were you? Because back then they still they played it in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um. So I we actually went to that conference championship game in the Lakefront Arena, and it was wild. We would uh we would try and pull up streams of it because we were I was I was in middle school at that point. I was still in eighth grade. So a couple of teachers, depending on if they were cool or not, they maybe would pull it up since it would it was so late in the uh, year. Mm-hmm. Be like, all right, let, let's see it. How often do we see the Cajuns play this deep into the year? You know what I mean? Yeah, it it, it hasn't happened very often since the early two thousands. But the Cajuns taking down South Alabama last night, seventy one to sixty six. We talked yesterday about Themis Folks and how he has struggled throughout this entire tournament well struggle he did not last night nine of 13 from the floor a career high 23 points for the point guard three of six from downtown Jordan Brown with a double double 13 points 16 rebounds he was named the most outstanding player of the Sun Belt tournament and Terrence Lewis the second with 12 points and 5 rebounds of his own. Jalen Dalcourt coming up big off the bench. 13 points, 3 of 4 shooting. So this was a game, James, where South Alabama started off fast. And it was all on the hands of one young man. Isaiah Moore was incredible. When I tell you I can count on one hand the amount of times I have seen a guy carry a team the way he did last night, it was incredible to watch. And I mean, from everywhere, mid-range, three-point, driving to the rim, the free-throw line, defense. He did it all. 33 points. Three assists. He was 12 of 15 from the charity stripe and 10 of 20 from the field. It's nuts. That is a nuts stat line. Looking at, from from your angle, James, what did you see watching this game that that stood out to you? Uh, I really wasn't able to watch most of the game. I did finally get home to watch the rest of it, see the final uh, three, four minutes of the game. But this, this guy didn't watch the Cajuns. Oh, I mean, I was doing stuff behind the scenes. But what I did see, I noticed a couple of times when it came to the half-court offense, Themis, he would try to drive to get a bucket himself, but then they would cut him off from the basket, so then he would pick up his dribble, and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh no, here comes the trap because at a certain point, there were a couple times you even saw it yourself. The offense, everybody kind of got clogged, and he was like, I gotta dish it to somebody, mm-hmm. and it got super clogged and it ended up being a turnover. I'm like, what is going on? Happened multiple times. It, it happened three possessions in a row. It happened multiple times. I'm like, you had a you had a nice little lead. You've gotten a couple of defensive stops, but you could have pulled away with any one of these possessions. But what did I say yesterday? Looking at South Alabama's run in the tournament, every game that they had won, they had made at least eight threes. They only made three this they game. Three of 11. Mm-hmm. I said they really, they really struggled for, that in that game. That was going to be the difference maker. 
was going to be, can you control South Alabama from knocking down threes? And can you make them yourself? Which the Cajuns made eight. They went eight of 17 from downtown, uh, shooting 49% from the field. And then the other big stat line was the free throw game, especially for South Alabama because Kevin Samuel, look, Kevin Samuel's a great player sitting at seven foot down there in the paint. But he can't shoot free throws at all. I think he went one of seven. He was two of nine from the free throw line last night. The The cat can't shoot free throws. so And the Cajuns realized that and realized that pretty quickly and said, let's put him at the line. You, you got to the point where you were almost fouling him intentionally just to put him at the line because you knew that he wasn't going to knock them down. Uh, One big play or a play that could have turned out big was when Isaiah Richards was ejected for a low blow on Kevin Samuel. He was ejected from the game, and Kevin Samuel had to shoot the two tech free throws. James, he missed both of them. And then they get two points in the ball. They shot a three and missed it. So that ejection and that tech, they got nothing out of it. So what could have been a difference maker actually turned out to being not a lot. Because here's the thing. Isaiah Richards is a great player, but there were six minutes left in the game at that point, or five minutes left in the game. You were coming close on the final media timeout of the game, and when that final media timeout hit... If he hadn't already been subbed out, he was going to be subbed out for either Jordan Brown or Terrence Lewis. Like Isaiah Richards' day was coming to a close. So it didn't really change anything that he got ejected. Obviously, you don't want to see a guy get thrown out of a game, but it didn't hurt the Cajuns in any way. No, you always want to keep guys, you want to have as many available as possible. So getting ejection was not helpful, but... As you alluded to, they didn't get any points of it. They missed on a couple of possessions, on a couple of opportunities to score, to maybe change how the final outcome would have came out. But luckily for the Cajuns, they weren't able to capitalize. For the seventh time in school history, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns will now head to the NCAA tournament. They will more than likely be a 14 seed. Probably. Uh, we don't know where. We don't know who they're playing against. You gotta, you gotta let the rest of the brackets play out. The Cajuns were the eighth ticket to get punched. There's still 24 conference tournaments that need to play out, so it, it's gonna, it's gonna take a couple days. Selection show is this coming Sunday. We will know more details then about who they're playing and where they're going. But again, for this team to get over the hump because last season you went into the conference tournament as the eight seed got to the championship game and lost in the exact same position that South Alabama was in this year you turn it around you get into the tournament you win the championship they are now the it's the second time consecutively that the team that previously lost the championship game won the title the next year. Georgia State did it last year. Louisiana's done it now. 
can South Alabama be the next team to do it? Or will Louisiana play spoiler to that next year? That'd be funny. But anyways, what a huge moment for Bob Marlin. What a huge moment for for Jordan Brown, Greg Williams Jr., all those guys that were there last year that experienced that defeat uh, to Georgia Southern. And a huge moment for Cajun Nation and following the win Bob Marlin, Themis Folks, and Jordan Brown met with the media. Bob Marlin opened it up very simply. What a basketball game it was. Hey, what a basketball game. It's what conference tournaments are all about. I told the guys with about seven minutes to go, did you expect anything different? You could tell it was going to come down in one or two possession game. And just super proud of our guys. I'm so happy for them. They played a great second half. Uh, You know, Terrence hit a big shot, big free throws. JB was getting hit, beat on all night. He made some big plays. Uh, Jalen Dalcourt stepped up big for us with Greg out, and that's good. And we get Greg healthy here in the next week and a half. I've got uh, Themis folks right here from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Jordan Brown, uh, senior or junior from uh, Roseville, California. That was a huge shot by Dalcourt, that mid-range. Every shot he took was huge. But that mid-range jumper with 30 seconds left, that was Michael Jordan-esque. I got vibes of the shot against Utah in Game 6 of the Finals in 98. Not quite the same circumstance. There were still 30 seconds left on the clock. But the look was very similar. So huge Huge shot by Jalen Dalcourt. And, you know, you look at this team, eight players on this team from Louisiana. And three of them from Acadiana. And Joe Charles, Jalen Dalcourt, and Greg Williams Jr. Three players from the Acadiana area. That's huge. Bob Marlin talked about how... Their depth was important because if you look at the amount of players that played, Louisiana played 10 guys. South Alabama only played seven. Well, we, we've got 10 guys that we play, and Chancellor White, a freshman, is really talented. I, I love his game. He's just had a hard time with Greg and Jalen being out there in front of him. But Joe's like a six-man. Themis said Jalen was like a six-man. Kobe was an all-conference pick. I think he helped us and, and got better as the season went on. Uh, Mike Thomas hit a three tonight. He, he Mike played well. He's improved. He and Jalen both played well here last year and started in the championship game. So we feel like we're, we're 10 deep, to be honest. And uh, we lost Isaiah tonight on a flagrant foul. Uh, and he's he's been really good in the past couple of weeks. So the depth was important, and we thought they would get a little bit tired at the end. Bob Marlin talked about Pensacola and what it means to him, you know, obviously winning the Sunbelt Championship last night in Pensacola, but he also spent the beginning of his coaching career in Pensacola, at Pensacola Junior College, where he won a junior college national championship. It's special. Uh you know, the year we won a national championship, my son was born. And Pensacola's always had a special place in my heart. And uh, to come back and 
be a part of the tournament. When we found out, they, they were looking at several cities. I think our baseball's in Montgomery, is that right? And they wanted a smaller market. We'd been in New Orleans, and, and uh, when they said Pensacola was one of the options, I immediately thought that's the best place. Selfishly, but it's really in the middle of the footprint. A lot of people can get here. There's plenty to do for the visitors. Uh, Pensacola Sports Association and all the uh, officials in Pensacola have, have done a great job uh, putting this tournament on and, and making it successful. But, no, I, I really wanted to – it's 30 years ago. You know, we practiced at PJC this afternoon, and these guys, some of them saw the trophy case and uh, the banner. It's on the wall there, so certainly – proud of of my time here james mesh is this team built to play cinderella i think they have the opportunity to win a game or two i think i think i could i think they are a team that should be on high alert that people need to watch out for because like like bobby mentioned they can go 10 deep most teams like to go seven or eight the fact that they can go ten that go helps. 10 it. Deep. The fact that you can go ten deep and you have no issue with that—that that says a lot about a team. You could go eleven deep. You could use Chancellor White. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you really could go eleven deep, but you just don't need to because, like you said, most programs are lucky to go eight deep. The Cajuns have a second starting five that they can step out on the court, and and you they do it often. And Bob. One thing I'll commend Bob Marlin on is he does this very well. About a minute, minute and a half before a media timeout's coming, he'll sit Jordan. He'll sit Terrence Lewis. Because what that does is, yeah, that it's minute, that extra time that for minute, them to minute rest. and a half, they get to rest, plus the two minutes of the media timeout. They get, a, they get a good breather before they need to step back out on the court. Bob's done that all season, and he's done that very well. Um Themis Folks, we talked about him. Twenty-three career, a career high, twenty-three points, nine to thirteen shooting last night. He talked about how the game plan was they were going to double Jordan Brown, and they weren't going to respect his three-point shooting. So he appreciated his teammates trusting in him. Uh, well, I wanted JV to really be aggressive still, because I mean, even as a, if a double's coming, I have faith in him to still make the shot. But I told, I just told him early in the game. I said, "Trust me, like throw it back to me. I'm gonna get it back to you, or I'm gonna find open players." But I just told him to trust me. And he looked me in my eyes and he trusted me. So, I mean, I I can't give enough credit to JV for like really trusting me and letting me play freely and be myself. So I appreciate it. Jay Walker was on the radio call of that game in Pensacola last night. We'll take a timeout, and he joins us next right here on the game. Going deep downfield, he's got a receiver, it's caught! Touchdown, Louisiana! Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Walker, how the hell are you, sir? Um, I'm ready for a nap, but other than that, I'm good. I mean, so how, how much have you slept since last night? Um, not much. I, you know, I got back to the hotel, um, I don't know, probably about 1230, which put me in bed at one. I woke up at about 615, couldn't get back to sleep. So got up, uh, had some uh, bad hotel breakfast and uh, packed and got on the road. 
so walk us through last night. I mean, just a, a great game by both teams. Isaiah Moore was nearly impossible to stop, and the Cajuns just made enough plays down the stretch to get it done. Yeah, you know, um, this may sound a little bizarre to folks, but I was pretty sure we were going to win the game at halftime um, because the Cajuns had given up 62% shooting, and they're only down four. And, and I was talking to South Alabama's color guy, and I said, how are you guys not up by 15? And, uh, and he, you know, he looked at me, and he kind of nodded his head as if to say, yeah, I don't know. Um, but we trailed in all three games against South Alabama at halftime, came back to win all three. I was pretty confident, Matt, at halftime that the Cajuns were going to come back and win. Now, looking at, you know, the, the box score, Themis Folks had a great game. Jalen Dowcourt was huge off the bench. Uh, but one of the big stories is the fact that Greg Williams only played 12 minutes with with that toe injury. You know, obviously the the break between now and the NCAA tournament is coming at a perfect time for the Cajuns because they need to get Greg Williams Jr. healthy. Well, they do, um, and you know, he was on um, as one of my post game guests, and we talked about it, and, and he said, you know, he said I'm going to get treatment every day. He said we're going to have, you know, a week and a half. And he said, and hopefully I'll be ready to go. But, you know, you, you look at uh, the other senior, the other kid from Lafayette, and they said, Greg can't go. We need you to step up. And he does. Um, they, you know, the game plan when they saw that, um, that Jordan was being double teamed, and we expected that because they didn't double team him in Lafayette, and Jordan Brown made Kevin Samuel look really bad. Uh, and, and they said it's probably your guy that's going to sag down on them. So, you know, we need you to take the ball to the hole and score points. And uh, he was able to answer that call. But, you know, that's one of the things about this team, Matt. You know, they're, they're so cohesive. They're so tight. They believe in each other to the point where, you know, you tell them, we need you to do this. And the guy says, okay. And then he goes and he does it to the best of his ability. So I- you know, one thing that stood out, and, and I wasn't surprised that Jordan was getting double teamed the way he was. One thing that did surprise me, though, was how quickly it happened. They didn't even give Kevin Samuel the opportunity to play him one-on-one. Yeah, and that was probably a good move on their part because, I mean, I mean, look, he abused Kevin Samuel in the game that was played in Lafayette. I, I've got other ways to say it, but we're on the radio. Uh, it was it was um, it was almost embarrassing that you got a guy that's seven foot and two hundred and thirty pounds or two hundred forty pounds, and have another guy make him look as bad as Jordan made him look. So I I was sure that the game plan was going to be double team from from the get because the last thing you wanted to do was let Jordan get off to a good start. Now with that double team, that gave Themis folks a, a lot of opportunities, and and he struggled all tournament long, but last night. A, a switch just just flipped. Uh, they didn't respect his three point ability. He was able to knock down fifty percent from downtown. He drove the lane, finished at the rim the way he has most of this season, and he did a nice job of, of facilitating the basketball at times. What were your thoughts on his career high twenty three points? Well, I, I thought he was very solid. Um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't perfect. He had a couple of what I'm going to call bad turnovers in the second half, mm-hmm. but. You know, that's going to be my only criticism of what he did, because other than that, I thought he was very good. 
And, you know, it's interesting to note that, you know, in the first half they had Michael Thomas in for a while, and Thomas hit a three-pointer. And and I even made the comment, I said, you know, if they decide that they need to take more perimeter shots, expect Michael Thomas to play a lot. And Michael barely played at all in the second half because Themis was was getting to the hole and scoring the basketball. And and so they they didn't need Thomas's three point ability. And like I said, with the exception of one or two uh turnovers, you know, Folks was just really, really good last night. Looking at South Alabama, you know, you look at their three previous games in the tournament. In each of them, they made a minimum of eight three-pointers. Last night, the Cajuns held them to 3 of 11, including Owen White going 0 for 3 from downtown. How critical was that in the game plan for the Cajuns to defend well, the perimeter? Yeah, I, you know, I, and I, you know, they held them to 11 shots. And I think the reason they only took 11, first of all, Isaiah Moore was, was just having a heck of a game. And they also went inside to Samuel a little bit more than I, they have in the, in the times that I've seen them play. And I think, you know, he was going to try to get Jordan in foul trouble. Uh, and that did not, that did not work, but I, but they stayed with that. Um, but yeah, only 11 attempts. That's, that's really not many at all and Owen White only took three um you know with they're they're a team that's that can be prolific from beyond the arc and and the fact they only made three of them you know obviously was big chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajun's Corner you brought up Isaiah Moore what a performance he had 33 points he was 12 of 15 from the charity stripe and 50 percent from the field and just did it all Drove to the rim, scored at the rim, could knock down threes when he needed to. Obviously, did a lot at the free throw line, facilitated, and played good defense. He also missed the second half of the two shot foul yep. that would have tied the game with twelve seconds left. Yep, uh, and it's and it's very interesting because in the semifinals, Mason Harrell missed the back end of a two shot free throw late in the game, and he's an 87% free-throw shooter, uh, and, and that helped the Cajuns facilitate their win. So, you know, a lot of times you'll say, man, you got to quit putting this player at the free-throw line. But guess what? Sometimes they miss. And both of those guys, and they're both, you know, they were both named to the all-tournament team, uh, but they both missed crucial free-throws in the last minute uh, that, uh, that helped the Cajuns. You know, this is interesting, and and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Owen White and um, and Moore are transfers from Division two schools, mm-hmm. um, and for them to come in and have the kind of year they had for South Alabama, that's pretty impressive to me. But uh, but they're they're D two transfers that came in and really 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 helped this team. I think they helped them in the locker room too. You know, because here's two guys, you're getting an opportunity to play Division One basketball, at basketball. so you're going to come in, you're going to be a good teammate, you're not going to be an ego guy. In South Alabama, in the past, has had too many of those ego guys, and I think that helped their chemistry this year. I know this might sound like a cliche question, Jay, but what, what does winning this conference tournament and entering into the dance do for this program, and what does it do for the career of Bob Marlin? Well, you know, one of the things I talked about last night with Mike Murphy, winning's hard, okay? 
Everybody thinks it's so easy to win. It's not easy to win. Winning is hard. And, and I, I made a comment on another radio interview today. If you finish fourth, fifth, and sixth every year in the SEC, you make millions of dollars because at the end of the year, you're talking about what seed you're going to be. If you finish fourth, fifth, and sixth in the Sun Belt, you get fired because there's only one way to get it done, and that's to win in a, win a championship in a 14-team league. And if anybody wants to think that that's easy or thinks that it ought to happen on a regular basis, as Steve Bellaquin used to say, go feel your head because you got a fever. It is hard to win. I'll take it a step farther. Cajuns had 25 wins going into the game last night. If they lose, their season's over. Because they're not getting an at-large NIT bid. Because Southern Miss from the Sun Belt already has an NIT bid. So you finish a game out of first place, you lose in the championship game, you win 25 games, and fans want the coach fired because you're not in postseason play. You don't think winning's hard? So it, it does mean something for the program. Um, it, uh, you know, it certainly isn't going to hurt Bob. But, you know, this is not an easy thing to do. And they were able to do it last night. And um, I'm, I'm incredibly happy for, uh, for that coaching staff and for those young men. You've heard me say more than once how, um, how I've enjoyed being around these guys because there's no egos on this team. They have incredible chemistry. And um, I couldn't be happier for them. I think that you know they went out and earned it. For the two guys from Lafayette that are seniors, I interviewed them both last night. They talked about how important it was for them to win a championship while they were playing because they're from this city. So it was great. It was important for the program. You know, I, I'm like everybody else. I'd like to see them win it every year. Um, but you know what? When you're in a one-bid league with 14 teams, and some of those teams have pretty good programs, you're not going to win it every year. So, you know, when this season's over, you go out, you recruit, you put another team together, you put a schedule together, and then you go out and play and see how you do. But, you know, I, I heard one guy say, well, this should, this should be the standard. Well, you know, being in the NCAA tournament should be a standard if you're in a seven-bid league. But if you're in a one-bid league, you know, that's just not reasonable. So, you know, I'm, um, I'm happy for them. I hope that they can have continued success to where at least they're challenging in the second half of the season to maybe win a league or get a top three seed or whatever. Um, no guarantee that that's going to happen. But it's, it, it's just hard to win in a one-bid league, dude. I, I'm just telling oh, you what I, I know. I, I agree with you 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the tournament every year or even every other year, just that that's just not realistic in the Sun Belt. But, Jay, you know, one, one thing that I sat back and thought about last night, you look at the last couple of years for Louisiana athletics, you hear some schools say, oh, we're a football school. You hear some schools say, oh, we're a basketball school. Louisiana's an everything school. Well, you know, they've in, in four of the five major sports – they're, they're a contending team and one, I think, that's looked at with a great deal of respect. 
And, uh, you know, women's basketball hasn't done it every year, but there have been years that they've been really good, too. Um, you know, I think that uh, this university prides itself on having a, a balanced program. And, you know, it, it, again, winning's not easy. Um, but they, they've, done, they've done a nice job uh, here. And, you know, I'm, I, I just can't say it enough, Matt, how happy I am for these, for these kids, man. You know, they, they, they got back at 3 o'clock uh, to, the, uh, to the APC. And there were, you know, some fans and some folks, you know, that work here at the university to greet them. Well, the last one off the bus was Terrence Lewis. And the reason that he took so long to get off the bus is he was single-handedly making sure the bus was clean before he got off it. Now, that's servant leadership. Tony Robichaux used to talk mm-hmm. about that all the time. If you are a servant leader, think good things are going to happen. But that's Terrence Lewis. He's a, he could have said, I'm a senior. Hey, freshman, go clean the bus. But he didn't, and he wasn't asked to clean the bus. He just cleaned the bus. And that's who this team is. That's who those individuals are, and that's why I'm so happy for them. Where do you think they're going? You know, I don't know. Um, You know, there really aren't any places close by. Birmingham is the closest. Orlando. Uh, I see a lot of projections that say Orlando. Um, But... I mean, gosh, they could they could send us to Albany. That would be different. Um, you know, I, I if I was a betting man, I'd say either Birmingham or Orlando. Um, I will say though that, and I think I'm I'm saying this with a, based on a little bit more data and knowledge. I think they're a 14 seed. Yeah, I, I agree with um, that. I would I would now. There's one way they move up to a 13. If if you've got some automatic qualifiers that are slotted at 13 and they get upset by lower teams, then you can see the Cajuns move up to a 13. But I think today they're a 14 seed. One quick question about baseball, because I know you'll be back in the fold tomorrow as the Cajuns host McNeese at the Teague. Just a week ago, they played in Lake Charles with a 5-4 to four win for the Cowboys. What can Matt Deggs and company take away from that matchup to use tomorrow night? Uh just the fact that they're playing at home, I think, and, and, and they have to have the attitude of when we're playing at home, we don't lose. You know, one of the things about the, the success of basketball that's kind of hurt me and the, and the fact that I had to go on the, on the road with softball, I've only done three baseball games. You know, you've probably seen more Cajun baseball than I have. Um, and I'm going to do these four games this week. And then next week I'm going to be out again when the Cajuns open up conference play, and I'll probably miss that game in Biloxi against Mississippi State. So I'd like to give you, you know, make believe I, I know something about this baseball team, but honestly, Matt, I don't because I haven't seen them play enough. Jay Walker, appreciate you as always. Uh, enjoy the much-needed rest, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. I'll look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Go Cajuns. There he goes. The voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker. Sounds like a happy man. I don't blame him. I really don't. We'll take a time out, wrap up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
We here at The Game know you love our shenanigans both on and off the air, and we want to help you help us. So go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana and click the bell so you can get notifications when we post our brand new content and video recaps. Help us get to a 1,000 subscribers so you can see even more of our off-the-air content and after-work mischief at The Game Louisiana on YouTube. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Wrapping up hour number one. Do want to remind you about our poll question of the day that you can go check out on Twitter and Facebook. With the Saints signing Derek Carr, are the Saints the favorite to win the NFC South? Yes, no, need to see more moves. Go vote, like, comment if you haven't done already. We do have Ed on the hotline. What's up, Ed? Hey, what's happening, guys? What you got for us? Well... You know, I, I, I'm as big a UL fan as pretty much anybody. But, you know, I turned on the show. Y'all were already probably halfway into it. And, you know, I hear, you know, everybody's thrilled to death. And, and, of course, we are thrilled to death. But, you know, to be honest with you, going to the NCAA tournament once every nine or ten years should not be acceptable and yet, you know, people are singing Bob Marlin's praises like like he's just done, you know, an immaculate thing, which that's not the case. I mean, he finally put together a team with decent players without them leaving every year. I mean, the guy's got players that leave. Finally, and I get it with the transfer portal, but, you know, UL can't just, you know, be thrilled about, once every nine years, making it to the NCAA tournament, it, it should not be the no, the norm. It should be it should be something more like every three or four years, or, or, or something some sort of postseason play that makes sense. The NIT, yes, NCAA, yes, CBI, all this other stuff, no. Um, you know, it, it just it, it's just not. That's why the attendance is what it is. At the okay, so so, so so let me so let me so let me let me step in. People. Let me let me uh, step in here. Let me step in here, Ed. So you're saying you're you're saying a postseason appearance every three to four years, correct? Either in the NIT or yeah. the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Okay. So since 2014, the first trip to the NCAA tournament, the Cajuns have averaged that. Because you made the dance in 2014, you made the NIT in 2018, and now here you are in 2022-2023 making the NCAA tournament yet again. So in in nine years, there's two NCAA trips and one NIT trip. That's every third year. It's exactly what you're asking for. Well... I just think it just needs to be a little bit more consistent. And he's also he's also the winningest coach. He's also the winningest coach in the history of the Sun Belt Conference. He's coached multiple thousand point scores while at Louisiana, and well, that ain't hard to do. He's put multiple guys in the NBA. What's not hard to do? A thousand career points, dude. If you if you play three or four years, you're going to get a thousand points. If you coach for thirteen years, you're going to be the winningest coach. The 
problem is is that if this guy coached any place else, he would not be employed. Nobody would put up with 13 years of mediocrity. Appreciate the call, man. But at UL, you can come to UL and spend a lifetime as a coach and, and you know, make six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year. And uh, the expectation is just go out and be competitive. Ed, appreciate I mean, the call, man. Just not a- T- today's, today's not the day for that. Bob Marlin has silenced his doubters. Everybody said all season long, Bob, it's the final year of your contract. Make the dance and you're good. What did he do? Made the dance. What more do you want? You play in a 14-team conference. And I understand it wasn't 14 teams till this year. So let me let me rephrase. You've played in a 10-team conference where guess what? The conference hasn't had two teams in the NCAA tournament in 15 years. It has been a one-bid league since 08. So yeah, it's not easy to be one of 64 teams in Division I college basketball to make the dance. We'll continue this conversation, top of hour number two, here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company specializing in multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can check us out on our simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we spent a lot of time recapping the Louisiana Raging Cajuns taking down South Alabama 71-66 to to advance to the NCAA tournament for the seventh time in school history. You know, I'm looking at the, the history of the Cajuns making the NCAA tournament, and especially under Bob Marlin. This is their second appearance under Bob Marlin. He also made an appearance in the NIT. So that is three postseason appearances in 13 seasons. So about every four years. In a one-bid league for either tournament, might I add. Here's the thing. The, the, the last caller mentioned, well, if he wasn't at UL, it would his he would have been fired already. Well, that's because if he was at a bigger school, he would have more resources, more access to better talent because they have a better footprint. To, to think that, and, and also bigger conferences, bigger schools, more bids. Let's keep that in mind. It's the Power Five's world. We're, we're just living in it. For Louisiana to make the NCAA tournament, once again, seven times in school history. School was established in 1898. They've made it seven times. To make it twice under one coach, 
pretty impressive in my book. Let's go to the game hotline now. Frank, what's up? Uh, not a lot. How y'all doing, boys? I'm good, man. I'm good. Okay, the first question first question that would have popped out of my mouth was, okay, um, Ned, uh, what player pool do, does he have to pull from? The player pool for basketball players gets smaller and smaller every year because yep. everybody gets sucked out because everybody wants to go bigger and better. Secondly, if you haven't done the job, then don't tell the man how he should do the job. Okay, Coaching is not easy. You cannot get on the floor and do the things that you want them to do Especially because you're in today's a coach. Game. I, I'm, I, I, I've, I've, I've worn the pants, okay? It's it's not an easy job, okay? You you got everybody everybody's expectations riding on your shoulders, but you can't perform. It's the players that need to perform, and if you don't have a large player pool to choose from, what well, you're left with what you got. So you do the best with what you have. Yep. No, I mean, and then to to add on to your point in today's world of basketball with the transfer portal and with NIL. The player pool's even smaller. So, so what do you what do you do from there? I mean, you. I think he's doing a great job. I, personally, I I think he's doing phenomenal. I mean, look at look at the pool he has to choose from. It's a small size pool. I mean, he's he's wanting these kids to play big fish in a big pond, and this is just a small pond. I mean, this is what this is nowhere backwoods. At Lafayette, and and I hate to put it that way, but I mean, who, who you got to choose from? Because all the bigger schools are going to take the three, four, five star players, and what do you have left? Right. So I'm, I'm I, I just I don't understand where he's coming from. I think Marlon's done a great job. I've been following UL uh, for at least three years since I've been in Lafayette, and I, I think he's he's doing phenomenal. So you know, the coach is going to coach, and if he thinks he can do a better job, then he should go apply. I, I'm with you 100%, Frank. Appreciate the call, man. Too easy. And to, to add on to that, James, with, with last night, that is now three appearances for Bob Marlin in the Sunbelt Tournament Championship game. And winning it is now his third conference championship. Two tournament, one regular season. What, what what more do you or what more are you asking from the guy? And it's not like it's a one team dominant conference. Correct. Correct. Other than that run Georgia State went on, where it was like five years of them, 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 and them. Yeah, but other other than that, but, I mean, it, right. it's pretty much a new team. Every it's a new year. team every year. And and look here here's my thing. If you don't like Bob Marlin, that's fine. We live in a free country. You can have whatever opinion that you want. Here's my thing. Today is not the day for criticism. Today is the day to celebrate the fact that for only the seventh time in school history, they are making a tournament that out of 350 Division I basketball programs, only 64 get into. You know how many Sunbelt teams are going to be in that tournament? Uno. One. One. And for the French out there, uh. So, 14, 14 team league, one spot. Not not great odds. It's just not. So, 
congratulations to Bob Marlin and his coaching staff and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns for winning the Sunbelt Conference and making it into the NCAA Tournament. Keep the calls coming in on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. James, the top story of the day that we haven't gotten to yet. Daniel Jones has made an absurd amount of money. And I'm kind of questioning why. So, the New York Giants have decided to sign their quarterback to a four-year, $160 million contract and have thrown their non-exclusive franchise tag on running back Saquon Barkley. Jones will make $82 million guaranteed at signing. Over the first two years. Because I'm, look, I'm looking at Rappaport's. He's saying the details on the Giants' deal for quarterback Daniel Jones is four years, $160 million, 35 more in incentives, $82 million over the first two years, virtually guaranteed $94 million at signing, and then the first-year cap number is around $19 million. That's absurd. That's absurd. I understand the quarterback market is high. I get and it, it. Got, it got thrown out and of it got, sorts it because got of the higher Sean with Deshaun Watson. Watson. I get it. I really do. I understand how it all works. But outside of this past season, what have you seen from Daniel Jones? The Giants were ready to give up on him until Brian Dable came in. Mm-hmm. And now he's played one good year and you're like, hop. Lifetime contract. Throw them all the money in the bank account. Four years is a long time, but it's not like they signed him to a six, seven-year deal. And it was practically fully guaranteed. And that's fair. That's fair. Like, that's the thing. Giants haven't made the playoffs since 2018. Or, no, no, no. Even before that, I'm sorry. What was it, 2016? When they got bounced in the first round because Odell and, like, the whole Giants team went on a boat. But here's my question. The amount of money that you just threw at him. I understand his first year is $19 million. That's fine. That's not a lot. And it's going to gradually increase. The amount of money that you were going to throw at him over the next four years. Do you feel like you are set to make a run? Do you feel like this team is set to make a run at a Super Bowl? I like what the offensive line is looking like. The defense looks solid. Still have a nice kicker. The big thing for me is upgrading the... T- tight end position and upgrading the receiver room because Isaiah Isaiah Hodgins solid piece Darius Slayton looking like a nice wide deep threat receiver but you need somebody else other than that other than those two and Saquon you need more because Daniel Jones he can do stuff with his legs as well but when it comes to the passing game for him to be more effective you need better receivers out there and that receiving room is okay at best but you see that's my issue they have pieces that they need to get. Mm-hmm. You're throwing a lot of money at Daniel Jones. You're strapping yourself to go out and explore free agent options. The free agent options at receiver don't look great. And that, the that's best, also, the best one. The best one is Odell. That's also another worry. You, you gonna you gonna throw all your eggs in the basket of the draft? I mean, if I'm the Giants, I'm putting my first round pick going to get one of the receivers. 
Because look, look how effective receivers are in the first round these last few years. It's true. Look, look at them. Justin Jefferson. I mean, Jalen Rager didn't work out, but that's just because <laughs> that was that's just because Philly was dumb at that time picking them. But a lot of receivers out there in the first round, they are really good and they make an impact early on. Even even if it's not in the first round, them going to get them using one of their first three round picks on a receiver. That's going to help because look at George Pickens. Look at Chris Olave. Look at Garrett Wilson. Look at Justin Jefferson. Look at Jamar Chase. Like going to get first round receivers, or even if you want to go get a second or third round receiver, you getting someone that can help Daniel Jones and make an impact and get chemistry with him early on. For sure. That's going to help and make the deal feel more worthwhile. Because if you're just rocking with Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James, who before the season was pretty much only a special teamer, only had like five catches before the season in his career, you having him as your wide receiver two slash three, that's no bueno. That's not optimal. So let me ask you this. You also tagged Saquon Barkley. Yes. You gave him the non-exclusive franchise tag. Mm -hmm. Now what that means is that teams can contact him and he can speak to other teams. Correct. And if a team is willing to offer him a contract... And he agrees to said contract. The Giants have the, to match it. The contract would then be presented to the Giants, and it is either they match the deal and keep Saquon, or you get two first round picks out of it. Mm -hmm. How quickly? Because the Jets, the Giants put this tag on him to buy them some time. Yep. To figure out a contract. How quickly do you sign Saquon to a contract now? I would still try and sign him to one, but here's the we see it with a lot of teams where you're like, if you sign him to a really long deal and it's a big time contract, like what we've seen with Alvin Kamara, what we've seen with Christian McCaffrey, who Christian McCaffrey has now been traded since then. Correct. Because it's like, oh, we're not good. We're paying a lot of money for a guy who also gets injured a lot. Saquon's now two years removed from that ACL tear, and he looked absolutely phenomenal this year. I told you he was going to be a bounce back, and he was going to be a candidate for the RB1 in fantasy. And he was not, but he was damn near close, was he not? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, absolute great piece to have. He's one of those guys that's very rare. However, I'm not, I don't want to have to, if I'm the Giants, I don't want to have to sign him to a four, five year deal and then have it be big time money like it was with a Christian McCaffrey. Because if he starts getting injuring again, what do you see with that? It becomes it starts to become a financial yep. burden the longer that it happens. Of you course. would rather sign him to a longest is a three year deal. And the third one is kind of like more of an opt out. That way you can re sign him again. Because running backs, they fall off a cliff really quickly. And their value in a trade can diminish just like Ab that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is interesting. We just brought we were talking about Daniel Jones' contract. We brought up Deshaun Watson's contract and how that's altered the market. Mm -hmm. Here's an update on that. According to Trey Wingo, there's constant concern among the NFL PA that there's collusion among the NFL teams to make sure that there isn't another contract given out like Deshaun Watson's. Until another player gets a fully guaranteed deal similar to Watson, these rumors will likely persist. So teams are doing everything they can to not give a fully guaranteed deal 
to players now because of Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Hmm. Did Deshaun Watson break the matrix in the NFL? Oh man, he he did is, so is, many is, things. Is, is he did, did he break the matrix? He impacted the NFL in a negative way with this. <laughs> oh, oh God, that's that's what's tough is, and that's why Lamar can't get a contract with the Ravens, and that's why somebody's going to get him for two firsts, and Aaron Rodgers is going to go to Vegas for sixty million dollars a year. Because the quarterback market's broken. I'm exaggerating, of course. But you, you get the, the point that I'm trying to make is that the NFL is headed for... Because with that deal, everybody else, the market is now dictated towards that. So you're having to try and fix an issue that the Browns created. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close the segment with this. If you are still upset about the Derek Carr deal... I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. You can't be helped. We'll talk McNeese. They're still alive. What what is happening in Lake Charles? We'll talk about that and more next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com can help with your date night blues. Join the Rewards Club to score $150 to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, $50 to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, $40 to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, and $25 to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. However, you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana sports station. Let's look at our poll question of the day up on Facebook and Twitter. It's about Derek Carr. Now that he is a member of the New Orleans Saints, are the Saints the favorite to win the NFC South? Yes. No. Need to see more moves. So far, 63% of you say yes. 13% of you say no. and 24% of you say that you need to see more moves. James, what says you? It feels like they're in the driver's seat, I would say. You feel really good about it because now you have the best quarterback in the division, for sure. And it, Yeah, I was about to say, and it's not quite close. However, I need to see what the supporting cast is going to look like. If they can make a few more moves to, you know, fix up that running back position, see what they do in free agency and in the draft, of what they do with the interior of the offensive and defensive line, see what they do with the secondary. If they're able to kind of like hit on those issues, I would no doubt say, yeah, I fully believe that the Saints will win the NFC South in 2023. But as of right now, I can't say it fully confidently. I feel 
good about it. Like, yeah, they have a very good chance. If I had to pick today, I'd probably lean towards it. But I can't fully guarantee it or, like, fully confidently say, yes, Saints are absolutely positively winning the NFC South just yet. The Derek Carr signing looks really good. Now you don't have to worry about the Red Rifle being your quarterback. You can sign him as a backup in case Derek Carr does get injured, but having him for 14 games again? No thank you. Does Derek Carr make the Saints the favorite? Right now, yes. I think it does. Um, Now, am I going to say 100% without a doubt the Saints are winning the division and making the playoffs? No. You don't know. You don't know. Derek, the, supporting, the quarterback isn't everything. The Derek supporting Carr, cast matters a lot. Derek Carr could break his shoulder week one and miss 10 games. You don't know. There are so many unknowns at this point that you, you just can't say that yet. Now, as it stands today on March 7th, are the Saints the favorite heading into the season? Yeah. Yeah, they are. But I'm not going to say, oh, the Saints signed Derek Carr, so now they're going to win the division. That's just crazy. But what I think it will do is I I think now you have eight days to play recruit. You have eight days now, if you're Derek Carr, call up Matt Collins. Call up Foster Morrow. Call up a couple other guys you know throughout the NFL that you know are going to be free agents. Say, look, man, I'm in New Orleans. Let's figure it out. You telling me you wouldn't take Foster Morrow back in Louisiana? Because I would. The ghost of Michael Crabtree. I would. You telling me you wouldn't take (laughs) Mac Hollins as your number three receiver? Because I would. It's another big jump ball target for end zones for, uh, for when you're in the red zone. And you could get both of those guys probably pretty cheap. You telling me Juwan Johnson and Foster Morrow lined up in a two tight end set wouldn't dominate? Cool. Oh, that'd be nasty. Let's go to the game hotline now, Jacob. What's going on, bud? What's up, Matt? How are you doing? I'm fantastic, sir. How are you? I am also fantastic. I mean, I could care less. I could care less about Derek Carr or the Saints right now because the Raging Cajuns, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, are champions. That's it's so. I just wanted to call in and say we did it. It's it's so good to say that, huh? Yes. And you know, I I love to get your opinion on the Cajuns because you've been so close with the basketball program for so long now. Watching last night and watching you know Greg Williams go down and, and miss more than half the game, Isaiah Richards get ejected. All these things come against the Cajuns, and yet they still found a way to claw out and win the game. Yeah, man, it was it was really good to see. I mean, it, it felt it felt like this win was for all those teams over the past eight years that fell short. You know, I mean, and a, and a lot of the teams that I worked for, we were bit with like an injury at the worst time, like. Stove and, and, and Gant going down in the tournament the year that we won the regular season. Or just like other like Malik Marchetti being out for the year in his senior in his senior season. Um, just a lot of things hadn't gone our way and last night I think it was one of the first times I I felt to myself like even like knowing that Greg was out for the rest of the game, seeing Zay, who I felt really bad about 
him him being ejected because you could see how much being in that game meant to him when he was walking off the court. Um, but I what I didn't have any fear. Like I had, there was no doubt in my mind that the rest of the guys on this team would step up and get it done, um, especially in a game like that. So it was it was really good to see. It, it felt it felt vindicating, you know. And I just have a lot of pride. I, I put a lot of time into that program, and I know what it's like being around that and what the players give and um, how they practice and everything that goes along with it from 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 players to staff to the managers like me um i know what it takes to go into it. i'm so proud um to see them be able to reap the rewards of of all the hard work that goes yeah, in absolutely jacob where, where do you think they're playing in the ncaa tournament hopefully birmingham so i can drive to go see it um but we'll see we'll orlando is mean, drivable third oh yeah, that's it's that's it's far. not it's not as it's not as drivable as Birmingham, but it's still drivable. Yeah, yeah. I hope I hope it's one of those two. If if it was like, I hope it's one of those two. If not, um, it'll be hard for the Cajun fans to go see it. So hopefully, the selection committee gives us a little grace in that. Um, but you know, I'm, I, I like our chances. I think our team matches up well. Like the depth of our team. There's not a lot of teams across the country whether it's power five, mid-major, low-major, that have that play 10 guys. Yep. Yeah, they're, like they're, they're definitely going to make some they're definitely going to make somebody nervous for sure. Yeah. And so I, I I'm interested to see who we draw and I hope that it's close. I think that we could be a 13 seed. I think 13-14 is where we expect we're going to land, but uh you never know. I mean, March Madness, you know, people we call the tournament March Madness and everything, but you know it really extends into those conference tournaments because for those teams, like when you're in a conference like the Sun Belt, like us, when you're at a mid-major or low-major school, your March Madness is right now. Yeah, because you have to win. You have to win your tournament to even get to the big dance. No, absolutely. Um, so I'm I'm interested to see how those other tournaments uh, pan out and uh, see where we'll be. All in all, I'm excited that. The 14 million people who fill out their uh, brackets next week um, are going to see Louisiana Absolutely. on there. Jacob, appreciate the call as always, my man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's that's going. I I can't wait to fill out my bracket and click Louisiana going to the national championship, no matter what. I'm gonna I'm gonna make one bracket where Louisiana wins the national championship. And I'm going to figure out how close to right I am. Only one? Only one. And then I'll make one realistic one. Or two realistic ones. (laughs) And then one where it's... Brackets are addicting. I make a lot of them. I make probably about five or six a year. Let's make one with every single possibility happening. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's like 80,000. Right. We'll take a timeout here on Crunch Time. And when we return, Dave Schultz host of the Locked On Sunbelt podcast. He'll join us. He was in Pensacola last night for the matchup. He'll give us the the story from both sides. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
McNeese basketball getting ready to get underway inside the Legacy Center against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. The women falling earlier today in overtime to Lamar in the second round of the Southland Conference Tournament. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Once again, the, the main topic of today's show has been the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns winning the Sun Belt Conference and heading to the NCAA Tournament for just the seventh time in school history. Dave Schultz hosts the Locked On Sunbelt podcast. He was inside of the Pensacola Bay Center last night, and he is here to recap the matchup from both perspectives. Dave, thanks for taking the time, sir. How are you? Hey, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. So, a really back-and-forth game last night. South Alabama had a four-point lead at the break, and then in the second half, UL outscored South Al 38 to 29 to win this one 71 to 66. What did Dave Schultz see out of the Sunbelt Conference Championship game? Well, it was a really good job by famous folks. Um, you know, I, we go on this uh, on the radio all the time, right, Matt? We always second guess coaches. I'm not going to second guess Richie Riley what he did. His game plan was someone besides Jordan Brown's got to beat us. Right? Jordan Brown was 22 out of 27 against the, against the Jaguars this year. Not going to let it happen. Seamus Folks, what, he came in like 2 of 14 uh, in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. He made all of 11 uh, three-pointers all season long. Seamus Folks beat South Alabama 23 points. He made three three-pointers, uh, and he was outstanding. Um, now the occasions almost blew it. They had a six-point lead and couldn't quite put the Jaguars away. The Jaguars couldn't quite make enough free throws. Uh, and a couple of those floaters and, and layups that usually go in for Isaiah Moore easily could have had 40 last night uh and you know it would be a different story today but you know they rimmed out and the three-pointer by Owen white rimmed out and it was just it was a great college basketball game last night you're right it was back and forth um cajuns just couldn't put texas state away like they wanted to the day before they got away with that one and they got away with this one they were just uh, they were a bad matchup for south uh, a little bit too much size uh and you know something that may go unnoticed is uh uh, Terrence Lewis made a couple of big free throws. Those were really big free throws after Jordan Brown missed the front end of a one and one. And so, you know, it was a great college basketball game. It, re- it really was. Terrence Lewis was big. Jalen Dowcourt was big as well. Yeah. Um, but but for South Alabama, you brought up Isaiah Moore. Could have easily had 40. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, what an outstanding performance by him. I mean, I, I talked with Jay Walker earlier and Isaiah Moore just did it all, offensively, defensively, facilitating. He could not do anything wrong last night. No, not really. He's one of the more unique players I've ever seen, Matt, watching college basketball. You know, you have these point guards, and now guards all shoot, right? Everyone shoots three-pointers. Uh, he shoots three-pointers less than Themis Folks does, right? I mean, he was one or two last night, but he usually doesn't shoot them, uh, and he usually doesn't make them. But, you know, I thought that the Cajuns last Friday did a really good job on him. I still think he got 25 points. But at the crucial time of the game, Joe Charles did a fantastic job. It did not work in Pensacola. Uh, James Madison tried like a 6'8 power forward to cover him, and he went right past him. And last night he went right past everybody, whether it was Garnett or Charles or somebody else trying to cover him. They could not cover him. Now, he took a couple of shots that were bad angles that weren't going in at all. But like, you know, like we all saw, there were probably at least three or four that, you know, rolled around the rim that easily could have gone in. But 
uh, did not, and that was one of the differences in the game. Do you think this win was was vindication in any way for Bob Marlin to go back to Pensacola, a place where he's had so much success before, and and to finally you know silence a couple of his doubters? Well, I mean, they were picked to to win the conference. This was not a uh, you know coming out of nowhere deal. I mean, South Alabama, to be honest with you, was picked third in the conference, uh, but because they started out so poorly, they ended up being a Cinderella story here in March. Uh, and even Bob mentioned it at Sunbelt Media Days in October. You know, we're picked because we got a lot of guys back. Everybody else has got a bunch of new teams or new players, and we got new teams in, so nobody knows about them. And they were three of the four top teams. Um, so you know, even he admitted, you know, we probably have the most talent coming back, or at least known talent, and that's what it was. And you know, you know, think about and here's what really carried the Cajuns in the middle of the year was Greg Williams, and he was a non-factor last night. He's got turf toe. Hopefully he'll be all right for the uh, NCAA tournament, but he's got a he's got a bad wheel right now. Uh, but you know there was that time where Greg Williams was you know the Robin, the Jordan Brown's Batman, right? He's scoring twenty points a game like in five straight games during what that ten game winning streak. And then they hit a little bit of a bad stretch when they lost to Southern Miss and Troy, and they, and they dropped like three out of four, and it's going in the wrong direction. And you know they happen to get a win against Ark State, and they happen to get a win against South, and then they don't have to play for a week, uh, and. I think the real, you know, one of the first early games that was not a contest was the, the Cajuns and um, Georgia Southern. Because that game was a little bit easier, um, the Cajuns had enough in the tank to finish off the last two opponents. Uh, what would we have, 13 games? And, like, only four of them were double digits, Matt. They, they, every, all these games were really, really close uh, and generally came down to the last minute or so uh, of the contest. It was it was a really great Sunbelt Conference tournament. Yeah, and it was a great season for Sunbelt basketball as a whole, especially with the four new additions to the league. But, you know, looking at, at this game still, South Alabama, the eight seed, this was the second time that an eight seed made it to the final, the Cajuns being the, the first one last year. What stood out to you about the way that they played l- last night? Well, uh, they couldn't make a three. Not only couldn't they make a three, they really weren't attempting them. And that's what the Cajuns did really well last Friday was extending the defense. The difference in uh, the game last Friday and this one, last Friday the Cajuns, what, that was like a 10-point game, and they had like four runouts. They had like four live ball turnovers that all turned into fast-break points, and I think they only had one this time. But um, And someone who's covered you know, Bob Marlin, he'll give up what Isaiah Moore did. We'll give up what Isaiah Moore does. If Owen White can't hit a three, if Greg Perrin can't hit a three, if Judah Brown can't hit a three, um, you know, Greg Perrin was a huge part of what the Jags have been doing for the last, you know, month or so. And he comes off the bench against, you know, Southern Miss and James Madison and, and scores the combined 32 points. Uh, and he struggled last night. Not only, well, he's two for seven, so it was awful, but he couldn't get a shot off. Uh, Owen White. You know, couldn't get a three-pointer off. Came so close at the end. So the, the the Cajuns did a really good job of their game plan being effective, not uh, not allowing uh, South Alabama uh, to shoot threes. In terms of what they did, I think it took a little bit of time throughout the season for even Richie Riley. Richie Riley likes to get up and down the court, and you know they went in the opposite direction. They really slowed things down once they got leads. They coming into this tournament, Matt. They're and they won uh, coming into the tournament. They won eight out of ten ball games. So what did they finish up? Winning eleven out of fourteen. 
in their 11 wins, their point differential is like 17 points. So when they're blowing out Southern Miss by 17, that's not anything special because they just blew them out by 31, uh, and they blew out ULM. And, you know, they just they found their roles, right? Owen White wouldn't even shoot, forget making three-pointers. You know, at one point in time in Southern Miss game, he was like 4-13, but you'd have to probably go like three or four games just to see if he could get 13 shots. So he found his role. Isaiah Moore found his role. We got a good role for Kevin Samuel, the defensive player of the year. Obviously, struggles with free throws. but And then Greg Parham came along, and he was supposed to be really good, and he just struggled. And the reason they got good at the end of the season had a lot to do with Greg Parham's improvement. Dave Schultz joining us, host of the Locked on Sunbelt podcast. You know, looking at the Cajuns now heading into the NCAA tournament, not many teams can say that they play 10 deep, but, but Bob Marlin's group does. Uh, do, you, do you think that sets them up to maybe make somebody nervous in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I saw that. I saw some people commenting on, you know, the the, the difference in the game last night was the depth. I'm not so sure. That was more like, you know, seven-ish for, um, for the Cajuns. Uh I saw him, I guess, in bracketology, Joe Lenardi's got him going up against Tennessee. That would be an interesting dynamic to go up against Tennessee if they're down their point guard, uh, which they are. Uh, and they got, I think, the most important thing out of that was that the Cajuns could be a 14 seed. That would be huge uh, to not have to play a one or two seed. Um, I'm not sure how much depth comes into play in these things, right? I mean, we get four, you get eight media timeouts, right? And then you get eight team timeouts. So that's 16 timeouts in a 40-minute game, plus you get a little break. And then you have a review or two. I'm not sure how tired these guys are. I think you can go seven or eight. Um, and obviously the Cajuns would rather get up and down the court. They like to play fast, so maybe that, that the depth does help them. But I'm not sure how, how important it is to have nine or ten guys play. You'd like to have, you know, if you're going to get seven or eight guys to contribute, that's big. Uh, and as we mentioned, we had some guys, they, they said, you know, Delacorte's like the sixth starter for uh, the Cajuns. And he did start the second half uh, last night because, you know, Greg Williams was banged up. So um, they, they have seven, eight guys. I think that's, that's plenty uh, to go forward for uh, the NCAA tournament, see if they can, you know, knock somebody off. Dave, as we start to wrap up, you know, the, the future of the Sunbelt Conference from a basketball standpoint, Southern Miss – having a great year, Marshall being a historically pretty good basketball program, James Madison as well. The future looks pretty bright for basketball in the conference. It does. I'd like to see some of the old you know, guys start drawing like some of the new guys did. I had uh, Jay Ladner on, the head coach of Southern Miss on Lockdown Sunbelt, and he said at a preseason gathering they had 26 people at a bar in Hattiesburg. 26. And then when the Cajuns go in there – they almost had 8,100, like the fifth largest crowd uh, in the Coliseum's history. Um, you know, I know the Cajuns had a big crowd for Marshall, but it's still just half of the Cajun Dome. South Alabama draws well, you know, on weekends, or if they're fortunate enough to play, you know, at Auburn or Alabama. I like this, and, and some of these arenas are built where you only need, you know, four or five thousand. If South Alabama could draw 5,000 on a regular basis, it'd be awesome. The lower bowl will be filled. If the Cajuns could draw six to seven thousand on a regular basis, right, the lower bowl will be filled and be a half court or be a you know a huge home court advantage. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. 
uh, is some of these other guys, because Marshall sells out their basketball. Southern Miss was doing a great job with their basketball. James Madison with their basketball. Let's see if some of the, uh, you know, original Sunbelters, if you will, can start getting a little bit better attendance uh, on a regular basis. I get it if it's, you know, midweek non-conference in November or December, but some of these conference matchups, I think, you know, Southern Miss especially, right, that's a great rivalry for the Cajuns. It's a great rivalry for South. Uh, it should be pretty good. Marshall came in. That was the big crowd with a lot on the line for the Cajuns in that ball game. Um, I think it's, I want, that's what I want to see next year. I think, you know, for all the criticism that I had for the Sun Belt for a while, they've just done a great job with the football uh, and, and the basketball. Now if they can only find referees to know how many players should be on the court at the same time. Is that too soon, Matt? Too soon? Maybe, maybe a little. Too soon? Maybe a little. Dave Schultz, host of the Locked On Sunbelt podcast, joining us here on Crunch Time. Dave, appreciate you as always. Spring football has started. Baseball is in full swing as well. Um, we, we, we got a lot to talk about in the next couple months. We do. I got, uh, for those who care, I got Troy, I got Troy head coach John Summerall, uh, you know, Sunbelt coach of the year, and obviously the reigning Sunbelt champions coming up on Locked On Sunbelt tomorrow. Please subscribe on the YouTube channel near you. Absolutely, Dave. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Matt. And there he goes, Dave Schultz. While you're subscribing to Locked on Sunbelt, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. We'll wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The monster trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome with the toughest monster truck tour, March 17th and 18th. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has a VIP package. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com for four tickets, access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, and lunch with the truck drivers on that Friday. The toughest monster truck tour is coming back, and you can win a VIP package courtesy of the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Wrapping up today's show here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Give you a score update for McNeese and Texas A&M Corpus Christi currently in the first half. The Islanders hold a lead in the contest as it stands now. They're about halfway through the first half, 9.30 left to go, and Corpus Christi leads 17-11. to Christian Shoemate is the leader for McNeese. Four points already, five rebounds so far in the opening frame. McNeese really shocking some people after backsliding into the conference tournament. They've won back-to-back games, and they are now the first 11 seed in Southland Conference history to make the semifinal. So good for them. Hopefully they can get the win tonight and play for a Southland Conference Championship tomorrow inside the Legacy Center in Lake Charles. Also tomorrow, McNeese and UL softball at Lampson Park, as well as McNeese and UL baseball at ML Teague Moore Field. 
So, a lot of Cajuns versus McNeese action tomorrow. We'll preview it all. We will also continue the conversation about NFL franchise tags, free agency, where pieces are going to go in our opinions. We'll also continue the conversation of the Raging Cajuns marching into the NCAA tournament. And some high school sports. Congratulations to North Central making it to the state championship game, winning in the semifinals over in Burton Coliseum earlier today. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guests, Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He joined us after calling the Sunbelt Championship game last night. Great insight from him, from what he saw from the booth, as well as Dave Schultz, the host of Locked on Sunbelt. He joined us to give his opinion, kind of unbiased, from both the Cajuns and Jags. Once again, Louisiana winning 71-66 to in that one. Once again, subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. We're posting great content on there constantly, uh, so go check that out. Subscribe. Help us get to 1,000 so that we can bring even better content to you. Aaron Rodgers meeting with the Jets in California tonight. Aaron Rodgers in New York? Don't know if that's going to work, but we'll see. For the producer extraordinaire and my co-host, Mr. James Mesh, I am Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. And we'll be back tomorrow, 4 to 6. Same station, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.